You're listening to the Everyman Podcast. The Everyman Podcast is where we take men and their wellness and their growth a little bit differently than other places by allowing men to tell their stories and share their knowledge completely wide open without having to hold back, without fear of much of the societal implications we have on who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. This is a, a, a free zone, an open zone where we can be who we are and celebrate that. And in doing so, uh, hopefully give each other permission and support to be full and happy and be ourselves and live the lives that we know are possible. That's why we're here. Today's guest is Paul Brody, Dr. Paul Brody, and I'm going to talk more about him right before we get to the episode itself. But first, I want to highlight a handful of events that are coming up, and it really is a handful. It's actually more than a handful this time. And I'm going to start with a very unique and special event that our guest, Paul Brody, is co-leading with Owen Marcus. This is a one-day training. This is going to happen in Brooklyn, in New York City, in Brooklyn, on October 26th. And this is our first professional training at Everyman. This is a one-day training for therapists and coaches and any other professional that works with men or wants to work with men or wants to understand men more deeply. Owen and Paul are going to be teaching the basic method of Everyman and how we're able to show up and guide men deeper into themselves make it safe enough for them to talk about what's really going on inside and how to apply this in a professional context. Going to be an amazing training. It's it's a whole new chapter for us. It's very exciting. The combined experience of these two men, Paul and Owen, is just remarkable, and I'm very excited for this event. So it's October 26th in Brooklyn. You can find it online at everyman.com professional. All right, we have a bunch of events coming up. We are about to go to Joshua Tree to execute our West Coast Melt in October in a couple weekends. That's going to be great and fun. That's already sold out. Sold out a long time ago, actually with a wait list of 25, I think. Uh, So we put up another Melt, and that's going to be on the East Coast in December. That is specifically on the weekend of December 13th to 15th at our East Coast home, Racebrook Lodge in Sheffield, Massachusetts, And very quickly, Melt is an experience that is for uh, a budding facilitator. For this is for someone who who has been an alumni to our work, or maybe already is a coach or a therapist, or has done a bunch of other deep dive work before. But Melt is men's emotional leadership training. So this is teaching our skills at a leadership capacity, at a leadership level. And so we'll have 30 plus men in the barn really practicing. We'll break down our basic work and we'll teach it in practice, 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 practice. Melt is a blast. We, we take the intensity level at the very height of open source and we open up Melt with that and that's our baseline. So it's an intensive weekend, a lot of transformation, but a lot of learning and a lot of practice. So this is great for groups. If you have an everyman group or you're starting an everyman group, this helps you up-level the quality of what you do with your guys and it's just a great, great, great event. The weekend before that is our next open source. This is our third annual open source. Literally three years ago, I was sitting here in October being like, oh, I think we should. <laughs> it wasn't just me. It was Sasha. Sasha Lewis and I were like, I think we should just do a retreat. And we called it open source and, and we invited all the guys that we could and about 20 of them showed up. And that's what uh, that was the inception of this entire project, this entire thing that's now blossomed into a, a massive intercontinental thing. So open source, third anniversary, and this is going to be a special open source. We're building it and we're building it and designing it uh, to really, really be our best one yet. We're going to offer um, a lot of our old standards and bring in some new heat. And um, I, this is literally my favorite. Oh, man, it's not even true. I think everything's my favorite, but I love leading open sources so much. I love being there to show men, uh, many of them who are first timers at this, right? Open source is a perfect event if you haven't done this kind of thing before. All you need to do to show up is be willing. That's literally it. Be open and willing and show up and see what happens. And uh, I'm super excited for this one. Our whole team's going to be there. Sasha and Owen is going to co-lead. And Lucas Crump, our CEO, is going to be there. And really the whole team, this this is our big one. And then we're sticking around to do Melt the next weekend. So that's a lot of words for uh, a simple message. Open source is up for sale. We sold about 25 tickets um, already, so we're about 50% booked out. Uh, so get on that, and we'd love to see you there.
What I'm also very excited to talk about is our next wilderness expedition. So far, we've only done wilderness expeditions in the summer months. And due to popular demand and because it's just badass and a ton of adventure, we've been looking for spots to do wilderness expeditions in the colder months as well. So we've been looking down south, further south. And we found the most amazing wilderness river canoe trip on the Colorado River. It's in a place called Black Canyon. We're going to put our canoes in literally right at the bottom of Hoover Dam. We have to get like security clearance like we're that close to the giant dam. And then there's like a 70-mile stretch of wilderness river between massive rock canyon walls. And there are all these side canyons with hot springs and natural saunas, which I've never seen but I can only imagine are like caves with hot air. Come like geothermal air. Come, I don't actually know what it even is. Maybe it's just a hot spring in a cave, so it makes it hot. About the most exciting thing I can think of to do. Uh, so that's for sale now. It's the Black Canyon Expedition. It's in March 2020, so it's the third weekend of March 2020. You can find this everyman.com on our events. Uh, the exact dates are the 14th to the 22nd, March 14th to the 22nd. I can't wait. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm going to lead it along with Aaron Blaine, and we'll have some other Everyman team members there. Now, one more announcement that I want to make, and that is this weekend we will be celebrating the end of the sixth month of our first cohort of the Everyman Foundations training. And so about 30 men have stepped up and, and opted in to take this very, very seriously and get a full training at being an Everyman facilitator. And there are about 30 names that I would like to read off here. Uh, I don't think that'll make sense. But I am going to be interviewing and featuring a handful of these guys in the coming months. And I just got to say I'm grateful and I'm proud and I'm humbled that this early in the game we have brought men in who are fired up to do what we're doing and are taking the step to to really learn and train in it. And uh, starting at from this weekend forward, we now have a bench, we have a team, we have a staff, we have we have an amount of trainers, every man trainers that are deeply trained, that are ready to be unleashed on the world. And part of what we're going to do there is uh, start doing shorter events, intro nights, one day trainings, all this really exciting stuff. Congratulations, guys! Thank you more than anything for for being there on this journey with us. And uh, kudos to what you've done. All right. Now I get to talk about Paul, what I've been waiting to this whole entire time. Paul Brody is a psychiatrist in New York City. And I met Paul. He came to our Melt event last, I guess it was winter, spring. And I rode with him from New York City up to Racebrook Lodge. And uh, we had a car full. <laughs> and the first, the first thing that I felt, which you may feel too once you hear him talk, is like, my God, I could listen to this man talk forever. He has the most incredibly powerful, captivating voice. And he's used that voice. He's he's had an incredible, compelling career. Um, he is a couples coach. He is a therapist. He's a psychiatrist. He has had a two-man show, a theatrical show he took on the road called Two Men Talking um, that you can look up on YouTube. You can see his TED Talk. Um, just an incredible man. Just brilliant uh, heartfelt, powerful. He's become a colleague at Everyman. And he, as I mentioned earlier, is leading our first professional training on October 26th in Brooklyn. And uh, if you're in Brooklyn and if you do anything in the service industry or helping people, go. Go learn from this man um, and you know get involved. And I'm very excited for him to to be the bridge between our world and some of the wider professional world, which has been one of our dreams from the beginning, is to uh, share the simplicity and the power of, of, of what we do with the wider world through institutional means. So this is great. Paul, hats off. Everybody, thanks for listening. Um, I'm excited to finish out this year strong, excited and humbled and grateful for your listenership. I hope you're all well. Come see us at one of these events. Take care. Yeah, let's start. Let's start right there. Okay. Let's talk about that, and that can also frame a little bit of who you are, and where you, you're just. Your, I mean, we can start with the professional yeah. stuff, and then we'll veer, okay, into bigger life. Too. Okay. So yeah, so um, actually, so it's perfect. Last night I watched. Uh, Owen's 
sessions yes. with Esther, and I have yours keyed up. And uh, so there's this amazing alchemy uh, alignment that's that seems to be forming here about about bringing our work about bringing every man uh, to the therapeutic community. And uh, yeah, so why don't you why don't you just take that and share what where we're at, what we're, what you're interested in, what the excitement is? I guess what I'd like to tell you about is my history of every man, how I got to be part of it because, yeah. or how it came to into my life. So last year in October, I had a realization in which I came to see that men are really damaging the world. Men are destroying the planet. Was there was there a, a turning point? Was there a tipping point for you? You know, it was just like you saw something. Well, or? I've known it all along. Yeah. But I was yeah. doing a, a very strong meditation ritual. Yeah. And I got it, and I felt it. I actually felt it in my body, and I felt first extreme rage. Yeah. At what men are doing and how little boys and what I saw was that. I actually saw Donald Trump as a little boy who never had a father, really, just destroying the world because he's, he's out of control. He's mm -hmm. an out of control child. Mm -hmm. That's what I saw. And I actually felt like, you know what, if he needs a father, I should step up. In that moment, it just felt like, I'll step up and be his father. Someone <laughs> That needs, gives me the chills. Someone needs to contain these men. That's what I saw. And then wow. I went, and then I realized that women have spent so much time and energy on men, trying to train them, trying to get them to learn how to feel and how to be and how to connect. And I, re I felt, you know, it's enough with women doing it. It's time for us to take ourselves on as men. I could say to the women, you can, you can relax, go away, we'll take them on. This is what came to me. Amazing. So I decided that day that I was going to start working with men in a more um, focused way than I have, because I've always worked with men and women, yeah. and I haven't had a very particular focus on men. I've just worked with whoever walks. And just for context for the audience, at practicing as a... So I'm a psychiatrist. Yes. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a psychiatrist trained as a doctor and then a psychiatrist, and I'm a th I'm a th I work as a therapist. Right. So I don't only do medication work at all. And in the last many years, I've been working intensely with couples. Got it. So I've worked with predominantly straight couples, but also gay couples, men and women. Um, here so, in this room, correct? Right, right here. Right in this right where we're room. sitting. Yeah. In fact, these two chairs, there's two <laughs> chairs here where the couples sit and hold hands. It's a very physical process yeah. with couples that I do. So I decided I want to work with men, and I actually said, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in, I have a very spiritual connection to yeah. something, yeah. and I just said, please show me the way, show me how I can work with men. Yeah. So it was very soon after that that Esther Perel contacted me, said she was going to do a, a one-day conference on men called the Masculinity Paradox, and she asked me if I would open the conference by leading, by doing something. And yeah. I decided that I would lead the audience in the process of embodiment, of getting into their bodies, of being grounded. And then I decided to be risky with the audience. And so what I looked at was my relationship, when I'm working with a couple, I noticed that my relationship with the woman is very different from my relationship with the man. Got it. I am much more comfortable with a woman. Yeah. And I feel much more able to use emotional language and to, yeah. to connect with a woman. And with men, I've become aware of a barrier between me and the man. And it's subtle. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily notice it, but I notice it. And I can feel it internally. There's a switching into some kind of mode with mm. men of just it's protective, it's careful, and I don't want to be humiliated. And it's so, it's so precise and clear. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look yeah. back to yeah. childhood, I mean, there are many things that happened to me, stories I could tell as to when I felt humiliated by other boys, and I decided I was not going to let that happen anymore. Yeah. So, one of the one of the stories that came up for me in looking at this relationship with the couple 
was a, f a few months before I'd been working with a couple and the, the man, I worked with a couple for nine hours, two days in a row. Oh, you do intensives? I do an intensive. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so there's an there's okay. a, it's a whole protocol for an intensive that yeah. I take me and the couple for two days. Dang. Okay. And so at the end of day one with this one particular couple, the man was joking nonstop. He just, every time we tried to get serious, he would make, he would joke. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. And it was really frustrating. I felt like a failure. And I felt more and more judgmental of him and critical of him. Right. So I called the woman who trained me. I have a, a woman called Haley Schleifer, who is the most extraordinary person and trainer and teacher. And I told her. And she said to me, okay, you have not connected with him. She said, he's joking because he doesn't feel safe with you. And what you need to do tomorrow morning is you need to go in and you need to look at why you're not connecting with him and you need to tell him and apologize to him and see if you can connect with him. She said, because if you can connect Ninja. with him, then she can Ninja. connect with him. Wow. So I really did. And I, what I realized was that he was, I'm, I'm gay mm -hmm. and you know, I'm out as gay and I'm comfortable being gay, but, I, but there's always this voice which says that with straight men, I have to, there's got to be some adjustment. And this man was particularly, he's a real straight guy. Yeah. And he was just, there was nothing, not even metrosexual about it. You know? <laughs> so I told him. And it took tremendous courage and I was really afraid and feeling like, God, they've wasted the whole first day. And, and I just said to him, look, I've been thinking about what's been going on. And I said, I feel like I haven't really connected with you because I've been holding you as homophobic. And that's got nothing to do with you. Mm. And I said, so I really want to just let that go. And I want to be fully present with you. And he was very moved and he was very grateful. And then I said, and by the way, the joking that you're doing all the time. And he said, consider it over. Amazing. He said, it's done. Amazing. And it was done. Yeah. So I told that story to this audience at <laughs> Esther Perel's cool. conference. And then I said... Listen, I said, I've realized that working with straight men is a growth edge for me. Yeah. So I'd like to invite two straight men, please, to volunteer to come and do an intimate exercise with each other on the stage right now. And a whole lot of hands went up, and I chose that man and another man on the other side of the room, and they came and they did it. And one was... And one was Owen. <laughs> and you didn't know. I mean, that was no, a random choice. No idea. Random two guys. One was Owen. <laughs> And then Owen said, afterwards we got chatting, and then he invited Esther and me yeah. to come up to the melt. Yeah, beautiful. And I went. See, I never heard the whole fleshed out story. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, ex I mean, it gives me goosebumps still, because I chose Owen, and then the next thing, there was such a connection that happened. Yeah. And just that I had asked to be shown a way to work with men. <laughs> and so then I arrived at the melt and yeah. you know I was going somewhat as asked to be an observer and I just decided not interested in being an observer and I was asked to participate in a healing ceremony yeah you were there yes I was and that was really profound for me because I I got the box that I've lived inside of which is I'm gay and they're not mm -hmm. and even with other gay men, there's still a box around me. Yeah. It, it's, it's a separation. Yeah. And so that was, the healing ceremony was very much about breaking out of that box and recognizing that I belong in the world. I belong. Which is really profound. I got the chills now. Jeez. Yeah, and so, and then now, you know, I've been interested in what does every man have that, that we can learn from? What is it about being in an environment in which there are men together? Yeah. And so much of what I've always thought was because I was a gay man, I'm beginning to learn is because I'm a man. Beautiful. Can you, yeah, can you say more about yeah. that? So, like, well, like, what is that? So as a gay yeah. man, I always felt I wasn't man enough. Huh. I always felt that I 
you know, I couldn't show emotion because emotion was frowned upon. Yeah. In fact, I've re I also have realized that I, I numb out very easily. Yeah. I very easily go into what you could think of as a trauma reaction, which sure. is just, I don't feel. Yeah. And I thought that a lot of that was to do with being a gay man in the world. And what I'm now learning from my interactions with all the men and every man is that it's what it is to be a man in the world. Wow. All, so many men talk about not feeling man enough. Yeah. And that their emotions are unacceptable. And that they numb out just really easily. It's just, if you can't, if you don't want to, or if you can't feel what's there to feel, just go numb. Yeah. So, and I'm still in an inquiry because there's a part of me which is still saying, you know, you, but you are a gay man. Yeah. And therefore, is it, a, is it some sort of form of self-loathing to try and fit in with other men? Huh, you interesting. Know? Well, yeah. because so much of being a gay man was passing yeah. and not being out for many years. Got it. And no one knowing and living with that secret and really managing with, to be around boys. Yeah. And then reaching a point where it's like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. So, but I don't feel I'm going back into a closet at all. Like uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel uh, in a position to have any real opinion, but it doesn't feel like it energetically at this yeah. moment when you share about it. I mean, I, I mean, it begs some deeper questions, which we don't have to go this direction. But I, from my perspective, there is a uh, a simple human like magnetism of coming together and connecting, regardless of difference that I don't know if it's real, I don't know if it's just something that feels good right now, for, for me just personally, to be in this position to experience in the moment as men of all backgrounds, all lifestyles, let their boxes recede and, and connect, it just feels so damn, I mean just, just in the simple way, it just feels so damn good. Mm. It just feels so good to connect. It feels there's been huge healings for me in connecting fully in embrace with gay men. Yes. And it, I mean, like, the reciprocal is happening. And, and, and with you at Melt, it happened at uh, the following open source, uh, a yoga instructor that, that we brought in, Mark. Uh, you know, just the permission and the uh, acceptance to, to fully show up and give my love and, and receive love and, and again, so, so sexuality is just one of the many flavors, but I mean, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing from my perspective for this couple of years where it's, it's been back-to-back-to-back-to-back experience, um, the coming together, the force and the actual magnetism of the coming together. I'm not going to make any uh, generalizations about it other than it's beautiful. <laughs> other than it's just so beautiful. Uh, and it feels healing, and it and it feels uh, it feels like the right direction. So. Yes, and you know, uh, uh, and and the world needs uh, needs it. Yeah. Because men who are wounded, I think, yeah. are are taking actions that are destructive. Yeah. And they need to be. Yeah. We need to stop it. We need to. Yeah. We need to contain ourselves. Yeah. Men. Yeah, you know it's like, and so, so the the personal changes that have sort of after during and after the melt uh, yeah. has it also impacted your practice? Is it impacted? What has it impacted? Yeah, I, yeah. it's hard to know what's done what, but definitely yeah. my comfort with the men in my practice has deepened. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and actually, funnily enough with the gay men that I work with I'm much more bold huh. in terms of I mean I've always been bold but I'm more yeah. bold I'm like I feel like I'm more myself with people and yeah. I, if I see something I say it I've been encouraging people to take risks in their lives you know risks of confidence risks to put yeah. themselves out there leadership yeah. risks and in working with the couples I feel more connected to the man as well as to the woman do you feel like uh, so listen, I, you know, I'm not the uh, the therapeutically oriented part of our team, um, but is that 
is that maybe one of the tangibles or intangibles that we could hopefully bring to the therapeutic community that exact thing so therapists could feel more comfortable yes, with the men definitely so one of the yeah. oh I see so one so, of the yeah. one of one of the things that I think therapists can learn is how to reach men so some of the yeah. very basic practices of the everyman method I do now awesome. so I've started asking people to come in and just do a basic check in yeah first check in physically and yeah. then check, check in emotionally very simple but, and then having the five basic emotions, you know, so many men over all the years when I've said, how do you feel, say, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. In fact, I've argued with men in the past. I've actually been yeah. in arguments with men who say, you don't feel in your body. You feel in your brain. I said, but feel the feeling. Where is it? And they, they go, yeah. they look up and then they go, I, I can't feel it. They don't know. I mean, that was me. The, 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 that was me when I was 29. That was me nine years ago. When I, when I like, maybe I was a little younger, 27. And I made my way to Idaho, and I met Owen, and I ended up in his group. I remember the first night I was there, like, I had 10 guys getting very frustrated. And I remember that feeling so viscerally, like, I don't actually know. It was so confusing. It was like being gripped in a vice almost of this intensity of like, like I did feel something, I knew I felt something, mm. but I had no idea what the heck it was. Mm. And it took me weeks to even get to this simple place of like, I feel sad, I feel, once I got it, I got it, right? And, and I, I kind of picked the language up pretty mm. quickly. But, um, yeah, and I think yeah. it's useful to, first of all, to know that that's a problem for people, yeah. for men, yeah. and then to have this, to give people an offering of five basic emotions that they can pick from. Does that really work for helps. you, the five basic? I is love it? Them. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. cool. I love them. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I think about them a lot. Yeah. They, I, they help me. Yeah. They help me to just categorize what I'm feeling. And sometimes they're shades of one of them, but yeah. they, just to have the five, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and the other thing I've been thinking about is for a lot of therapists, and this it may not be true for people like Esther and therapists who are working in very new ways, but I think for a lot of therapists, we are taught that our personal life doesn't belong in the room. Right. And that also means our personal feelings. Right. So that we sort of are supposed to be somewhat detached yeah. and very cerebral. Like it's all about thinking yeah. and being listening and then giving thoughtful responses and I, I believe that that leads to burnout for therapists Got and it. I don't think it's that effective I think that being a fully feeling person in the room with someone is really important and I think every man, the everyman method is helpful for male or female therapists to learn about, to learn about that. And did you have that sort of somatic uh, orientation have, have you been working that way did you used to bring yes. your emotions in the room well you see I have a very strange history because yeah. I, I through circumstances told my story my whole life story yeah. very personally yeah. um, on stage and it became a performance which took me around the world and I've done it for many many years it took you around the world huh? literally around really the world. yeah like what, what venues where did you go well so we started off by going to South Africa yeah. and telling, so it, it was a story that I told with an, a boy I had known at school, who at school I had bullied. And many years later I bumped into him again in New York. True story. True story. Wow. So when we were 14, I basically called him a girl in front of the class, but that was the worst thing you could call a boy. <laughs> so. He was, he was humiliated and I was, I remember feeling kind of triumphant because I'd taken the attention off me for a second, uh, but it was really hurtful to him. Huh. And I never forgot it because I, I knew what I had done. I wasn't actually a bully and in that moment I had humiliated this boy publicly about his manhood. Twenty years later I bumped into him in New York. He was now living here. Hmm. And I was living here, and I said to him, 
I just want to tell you what happened when we were 14. I'm really sorry and I apologize. And that was the beginning of a friendship. And we started telling each other stories about our lives. And I, I got to hear all about his life growing up, which had, had a lot of difficulty and trauma. And my life, which at the time that I met him, was really um, difficult. Because yeah. I was 28 years old, and I was recently diagnosed with HIV, mm. and I thought I was dying. It was a really terrifying many years of my life. So we supported each other through it, and then we decided to just tell these stories on a stage. And the next thing, we got produced and found ourselves going back to South Africa to perform there. And then we were picked up by a producer who took us to the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. Yeah. And then we went to London, and we were on the West End of London. And then we came back and were off-Broadway for several months in a theatre. Three shows, four shows a week for about three months. So we did it hundreds of times. That's the kind of story that just makes me so happy to be alive. And I, I get jealous. How awesome is that? I mean, was it a good experience? Was oh, it was, was it as good as it sounds? It, it was an extraordinary. It was a. It was my life. You know, it yeah. was like because what it was, and so the practice that we did with one another was we never planned what the story was going to be. It was not scripted. Every night. We would get on the stage and we'd look into each other's eyes and we'd assure the other that we had each other's listening. So what? It was like, if no one else listens to you, I'm here and I'm listening. Tell your story. And we then practiced grabbing the story or giving the story or sharing the story and, we, and inviting the other to become a character in our story. So I'd suddenly say, you be my mother. I'm going to... Amazing. And we played, and so every single performance was a creation. Jeez. For years. And that took us, you know, yeah, if you look it up, it was called Two Men Talking, and there's, you can actually watch it on YouTube, and then we did an X, a, a TEDx, where we did a short Piece of version it. of it. So what happened to me was I was working as a psychiatrist, so people would find me online or would see my performance. So they knew I was gay, they knew I was HIV positive, they knew I came from South Africa. They had all these details. Yeah. And I couldn't pretend to sort of leave myself at the door. Yeah. But what I noticed was that it made no difference to people. Yeah. They just that was my story. It's okay. They were still what they were connecting with was not my story, they were connecting with me. Yeah. And the fact that they knew the story was just that they it, it helped a lot of people feel yeah. closer. Maybe a few people didn't come for that. The, the you, when you say that, connect with me, it, it's so available, Paul. I mean, that's like just to praise, it, like, praise or describe my things. Like, there's, 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 like, your presence is so, so, like, man, I don't know how to, how to put words to it, but like, you're such an incredibly compelling man to listen to and to hear from and to tell stories from. And, and, you know, my, my brain would want to say, oh, it's maybe because you spent time on stage and you are very eloquent, but it's your presence. It's so, you are so available. Mm -hmm. and, and I wonder if that, is that something you, did, was that innate in you? Was it developed? Is it something that you're aware of? Is it, I mean, I just watch men gravitate toward you. And I, myself, too. I, like, you have it. I gravitate toward you. you but you also have it. I, well, sure. I, there's yeah. something about yeah. you, so I don't know uh -huh. what it is. You feel, you feel like a wide open, holding space of permission. Hmm. So I feel safe with you, hmm. and I don't, and I don't know you very well at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've met yeah. you twice. Yeah. There's something that is not tangible. I, I actually, I know that I have it. So yeah. it, it, I think it's important for people to recognize their gifts. Yeah. But I don't claim it as I'm not doing it. I believe that it's it goes it flows through me. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I've always had it. Yeah. You know, when I was a little kid, my mother's friends, old women. I mean, they were old women. They were probably in their thirties and forties. But I was six. I had a friendship with several of my mother's friends, and they would come. And they would talk to me or take me out in their car, we'd go driving, and they would open their hearts to me, these 
older ladies. I've been working as a psychiatrist since I was about Was that a burden or was that old. lovely? Or neither? Was it? I think it was wonderful. Yeah. And a burden. Yeah, okay. It was both. Yeah. But I was trained from a very young age. Yeah. Which is why I do think I'm, I got very comfortable with women. Yeah. My dad's friends didn't do it. Yeah. The men. How, what about your dad? What was your, how was, did you, did you have a good relationship with dad? Uh, very. Yeah. Very. And that's, it's something that I think is part of it, is, is that I yeah. have my father in me. My father died three years ago oh. at 97. Oh, man. After living the most incredible life and actually um, was really keen to die. And it, he had always been passionately in love with life. Yeah. He loved life. He loved my mother. He loved everything. Yeah. But a point came on a Wednesday, literally, where he decided he had enough. He was 97. For the first time, he had a heart issue. My mother had gotten sick, and he thought she might die. And he just said, I've had enough. And by Monday, he was gone. Five days. And when he left, like the day before he died, I didn't make it back because I was here. Yeah. He gathered the whole family around, and he said, I just want to say that I've loved this, and I love all of you, and if you cry when I'm gone, don't cry for me. I've had a wonderful life, and I've had everything I want, and I'm so excited. And he actually said, I'm shuffling off my mortal coil. Holy crap. So I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a, I don't, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it is amazing. And his death has, it's been a real download of him into me. So I feel the love of life. You know, I did a vision quest. Yeah, you, I remember you saying that. Yeah. And I went and I spent time alone in nature for three days after my dad had died. Yeah. And one night... Recently after? Like close after? Or? Yeah, like about a year later. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I was sitting alone at night in this bottom of this canyon, and I was very afraid, like petrified. Yeah. Something weird was happening, it felt to me, and I felt presences. And suddenly I felt my father's presence right there. And I, I said to him, what are you... What's going on? He said, I want to tell you one thing. He said, and, I, and the words that he was, I was hearing were coming out of my mouth. So I was speaking, yeah. but it was as if I was hearing him. And he said, love your life, my boy. He said, I loved my life. He said, I loved mom, and I loved my sons, and I loved being a lawyer. I loved South Africa. I loved my whiskey. I loved cricket. I loved the ocean. He went, and I was saying all these things were just coming out of me. And at the very end, he said, and I have to tell you, I love being dead. He said, it is such a relief to be free from that body. Wow. He said, and I can be everywhere and anywhere at the same time, and I'm loving it. Holy shit. <laughs> and that was my, I hadn't had that thought before. Of course. Felt like, wow. That was amazing. So I feel very empowered by him. So are you loving life? Are you loving your life? So, you know something, I do love life, and I love my life when I remember to. Yeah. But I get caught up in habits yeah. that spoil my own fun. <laughs> That's a, such a nice way to say it. Yeah, like yeah. habits like resentment, or complaint, or comparison, yeah. or fear, you know, fear, fear, thoughts of fear that take me into futures that feel terrifying. But I'm getting better and better at it. Yeah. I'm loving my life right now, talking yeah. to you at this very moment. Did you see your dad have moments of struggle and fear and not loving too? I mean, is that... You know, I saw my dad, yeah, my dad, yeah. I saw him have some very powerful emotions. My father was much more easily expressive of emotion than my mother was. Really? Oh, my dad cried. Oh. I saw my dad cry way more times than I saw my mother cry. It's actually true for me too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah very apparently sob. true. He would sob and sob and sob and then it would be over. Huh. Not often, but yeah, yeah. I saw it several times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But he'd lived through the World War. He fought for six years in the Second World War. 
And I think he learned some. He took he took that war experience and turned it into a philosophy, which was nothing was worth getting too upset about. Right. That was just his attitude. Like the Tao of War, almost. Yeah. And he loved he loved every moment. Huh. If you were with him, you would feel like you're the most important person in the world. Amazing. And then so would the next person. Isn't it? It's amazing to me. So my wife, uh, her grandfather on her dad's side is just this legendary, like, vibrant man. He's, he's, he's no longer uh, here, but he's this uh, community farming sort of lead on uh, rural Martha's Vineyard, right? And so just, um, I love stories. I love stories of, of in, this, in this case, like, patriarchs in, in a positive way, uh, you know, male figures that are just alive, right? Yes. And, and, and give their love. And I, I guess, never really had these thoughts until this moment. But yeah, what a what a. I could imagine that you know mythology or just storytelling in ages past. I mean, these are things that I mean. This is these are kind of stories I would I like to I would hope that we are engendering or even this podcast, right? I mean, to to spread more of that good love around. Yes, because it's just. I'm just so drawn to it. Yeah, you know, and that it's really important that because what I'm, what I've also think that therapy, what I was trained as a therapist and specifically as a psychiatrist to look for is what's the problem mm. and what's wrong, and then how can we fix it? Yeah, and I'm starting more and more and more to realize that looking at what's right, yeah, and what's working, and where's the pleasure. And spending more and more time in that, yeah, yeah, there are problems. There'll always be, but that's not where we necessarily need to spend our time. Do you know how I learned? So I'm right there with you. So my first career was as a wilderness therapy guide, where I would be 24 hours a day for weeks at a time with a group of young men, and a therapist would come in once a week or once every other week to do a session with each of the individuals and then leave. Right. Right. And um, wow, where did you do that? Uh, mostly Utah, Montana, northern Minnesota, and all over. Yeah, I did it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's my. That was where I became uh, impassioned with this entire project. Right, mm -hmm. and I just obsessive about why these young men were struggling, and um, just the, the. I'll get to my point in a second, but the, at the end of it, I started working with fathers and sons a lot, and uh, that really a lot of light bulbs went off when I would spend time on a river, spend time hiking with a dad and a boy and really just feeling. And I, you know, as I said, I've always been a sensitive guy, so I could always feel what was going, even if I didn't have the language for it. Um, but what I'm getting to with the, the, the sort of momentum of uh, starting with what's working or starting with the good is that, uh, and I'm not exaggerating, you know, 18 hours a day during waking hours and then were sleeping under tarps and cooking over fires and um, had, I just I, I learned and felt and experienced like these kids would share everything about themselves right we had so much time and we, we had a lot of nothing to do and we did have therapeutic sort of oriented curriculum and we would do things but um, I would just notice the the difference of relationship between therapist and clients and uh, myself and other uh, friends in similar roles and client where um, it was a problem orientation that the therapist often brought in. And, and I get it, you know, they, they had to diagnose and that's part of the process and that's worth And I, th I think there's a lot of good that came of it also. But uh, I got to play this magical role of confidant, older brother, uh, mentor, it's just simple human. Like, there's so much time with these kids. There was no room for falsity, right? It was just like human to human, straight up. Like any falsity, any bullshit would quickly go away, or you know, over the grind would sure. just go away. Um, and yeah, and I think so, it got ingrained in me this idea of uh, building trust and. And it wasn't even conscious, but yeah, building relationship first on on positive, not just I guess, but yeah, what just being connected. Exactly, it's 
being connected person to person, human to human. Yeah. 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 You see, that's what I do. Well, I don't know if what I do, it's what I am. Yeah. And I can't but be that in my office either. It's not, I'm, I'm not interested in anything else. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm really not. And some, you yeah. know, there are people I think who, where pathology is really so important and it needs to be fully addressed. You know, and I'm moving more and more away from being yeah. the expert on that. I don't want to be anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just not where my interest lies. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically, having, mm. you know, sitting in the chair right now, where does your interest lie? I mean, you had this epiphany to work with men and wanted to... What's, yeah, yeah, I think my interest, you know, it's that thing you said earlier, that there's something that I have. Mm. And what is it that I have, that, that ability to... Why, do, why are people drawn to me? What is it? Yeah. And I'm, I don't know, but I'm learning. And I think it's about connection. Yeah. And I think it's about listening. It's about really being with another person. And what I'm interested in more and more is, can I teach that? Beautiful. How do you teach that? Beautiful. Because I think you can teach that. I think so too. And the way that I learned it is you do it. You connect with someone yeah. and you honor them as able to do it. Yeah. And then they are. And then they do. And then yeah. And so with your training and background, and, and like, do, do you have any... I don't know, medical or physiological or, or some more technical understanding of what's happening in that connection? Well, I'm learning. I think that yeah. some of it is a brain function. Yeah. So I think that when you sit and you look into each other's eyes yeah. and you breathe together, your brains calm down together. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, more and more we're understanding with mirror neurons that they sync. They really do. They right? actually sync up yeah. Yeah. so that there's something physically connecting you and me right now. Yeah. It's waves. Uh, yeah. And you can feel it. If you really allow yourself to just quieten down, you can feel that connection. And then the words are not that important. Mm -hmm. the, the content, because I'm so easy, and I think we've all been so schooled to think it's what's being said that's making the difference. Yeah. Rather than it's that we're being together that we are connecting and the words are just another form of connection yeah. and what's being said you know, the more open we can be with each other the more we'll feel safe with each other where I get excited about words in this context is the, the project of uh, naming and matching or the congruency yeah. of the word to the experience uh -huh. that, that's, those are the moments where you know, whether we're in a retreat or a group or even a conversation, um, I think I again, it's just it's just a pure enjoyment thing, or it's, or it's it gives me that shiver. It's it's like not only are we feeling this together, but somebody names it or somebody kind of relaxes enough to speak it so clearly, and, and then we have that other maybe it's just the other part of our brain lights up too. It's like yeah, we are on the same thing. I don't yeah. know. Um, as, yeah, I, I've long been a huge fan of language as well, but uh, I feel like what you're speaking about, this the, the mirror neurons, the sinking in, and, um, it adds a an ex experiential depth to conversation, which is just delightful. Yes. You know? Yes, and so, so in the work with couples, a lot of what I do is just is have them sit, hold hands, look into each other's eyes and breathe. And then talk about things that are good. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, rather than what's the worst problem that you're having. Yeah. Because people can talk very easily about that. Yeah. But if you ask people to just share for three minutes with each other what you really appreciate about the other. Yeah. It's amazing how hard it is. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's difficult. And just to be able to expand that vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Because... On the, you know, as the word matches the feeling, mm -hmm. sometimes the word creates the feeling. So if you, and I think that is an important part That's of That's beautiful. I remember struggling when I was like in my early 20s, not knowing if I knew what love meant. Huh. You know, I didn't know what yeah. it meant. Like, how do I know that what I'm feeling is what love is? Yeah. And actually, love is there because I say so. 
you know, because I, when I can, if, if I can, if I tell you I love you, I do. There's something, and the, the feeling grows and changes. It's not one thing. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I remember being told something which really impacted me very young, which was that the thing people most want to hear is not, I love you, but I know you love me. Hmm. That, every, that so many people worry about their capacity to love. And I do think as men, when you've learned how to stunt your emotion and you don't know what that feels like, yeah. you don't necessarily know that you do love. For someone to say, you do, I know you love me, I, can, I get it. Yeah, I just checked in and with my wife specifically, yes, that feels more powerful if she were to tell me that than, she, than if she loved me. Uh -huh. That's true for me. Yeah. That she knows you love her. Yeah. 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 I think she, she has said it a couple times. And yeah. That's, what, uh, what do you feel, and I remember in past conversations, you've had experiences in group settings or... What do you, and I know that um, you're a part of a, a newer group here. I think you guys are meeting in Harlem or. You meet here. Oh, you meet here? In this very office. Oh, yeah. I love this office. Um, yeah. What does the group, whether it's every man or outside, but what does that dynamic bring to you personally? And, and, and what, what, what do you feel about the group orientation toward things? I think a group, first of all, it amplifies your experience because. You don't only get to have your own experience, you get to experience everybody else's mirroring of your experience yeah. and their experience. So one conversation suddenly becomes, it's, it's multidimensional. And you know, you could, you could say to someone, oh, all men are this way, but if you've got a whole group of men and each one is saying, I identify, I identify, I identify, you start to realize you're part of a you're part of a bigger community, yeah. which is different from knowing it intellectually. You feel it, you experience yeah. it, yeah. that, oh, they get me. Yeah. Or the experience of belonging. So for me, I think it's a big piece of what I'm getting now is through the Everyman group, feeling like I belong in the group yeah. and noticing how much I hold back in a group, just still checking out if it's safe, checking out how much people can tolerate of me. Huh? And it's getting better, it's getting to the, where yeah. I just, just speak or, do, or don't speak. Right. Feel like you don't have to, you can just relax. Yeah. So there's something about the group dynamic that really intensifies the experience. Cool. Yeah. So, just to make sure we have enough time to talk about it, so mm. what do we have in place, and I'm, I actually don't know, so this is a real question, but what what are we planning for this um, this event uh, for therapists, and what, what's what's on deck? What's oh, well, and I know we're still in process. Yeah, at the moment, we we yeah. have one date. Yeah. In New York City, um, in which Owen and I are going to co-run a one-day workshop. Yeah. And that's going to be on October twenty-sixth. That's a Saturday in yeah. New York City. And the idea is to introduce therapists to the work of every man. So. We're going to tell our, share our experiences. We're going to teach some of the methodology of every man, and we're going to have an every man group. Amazing! That people can sit in a fishbowl and witness, yeah. and just be there to see what what happens in an every man group. So cool! And we want to do one in in California as well. Yeah. And then probably one somewhere in the in the Midwest or somewhere else, not in New York or California, yeah. and just start to create a, a community of therapists. And to me, it's partly also learning. What is it that we have that therapists can learn from? Yeah. You know, what do we? Yeah, I've been engaged in uh, maybe a similar sort of R and D uh, time period with with uh, corporate uh, culture recently, and we've been doing we've been doing some fish bowls. We've been doing some interesting things, and and yeah, I think I get. I get excited about a lot of things, but I get excited about, well, the crossover, right? Or the, I mean, I like the vision of the, like the public facing every man and I want to see groups everywhere and, and I want, I want that. And I think we're, we're, we're putting the gas on that fire. Yeah. Um, but 
again, selfishly, I get really excited about um, sharing uh, through institutional means and through established channels of society, whether, whether that would be corporate or the therapeutic community or schools or, I mean, you name it. Um, I, I get very, very excited about uh, making moves in those directions because, it, because I feel like the uptake into day-to-day uh, -day life or for, for a lot of reasons, I just, I just, I feel like it's very important to mm -hmm. do that. So I am excited for every person who comes to, and it's for coaches, I'm sorry, it's for Therapists, mainly, therapists or coaches, or no, coaches for right? people who work with people, yeah, therapeutically in some way, yeah. Okay, but coaches would be great. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, if I can be there, I want to be there. But I can't wait to at least hear about it because that's a uh, it's a hell of a team, you and Owen. I mean, that's a cool team. But that, that, that's a team that I think could. I don't even know, but yeah, that's awesome. It's fun. It's it's. It's amazing to me that it showed up in my life and that here I am. And yeah. it feels very natural. It feels like a natural fit. Yeah. Like I feel this conversation feels very easy. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel like it feels like this is who I am. Yeah. So Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's great. Is there anything that you would like to anything else, just wide open space here, uh, share with listeners, share with uh, me is there anything else that uh, feels front of mind or front of heart you know it's just there for me which I notice I haven't mentioned is that I'm married and have been with my husband for 32 years <laughs> and it's it's really and he's not come to anything to do with every man yeah but he has said to me now on several occasions already because I'd say something like oh, I'm gonna be late tonight I've got my group and he says Go to your group. Oh, that's cool. You're so happy when you get back from your group. Yeah. And it's it's really, you know, I'm, I'm just, the definitions that I've had of myself are, as a result of this group, getting less rigid. Like, I'm not so sure. Yeah. So here I am with a man, and yet it's going to a men's group that feels so liberating. For yeah. Me. Um, just as some of the men in the group feel with women that they're with, you know, yeah. so, and I just, you know, being in that relationship and having someone who's been so incredibly loving and such a stand for my happiness for so many years, it's just great. So that's, he's right there with me. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, um, yeah, we'll have to do, we'll have to do more of this and, and maybe when, uh, the, more of the, we'll see, you know, maybe leading up to the therapeutic, maybe we can have you and Owen and I do a talk and we'll do some more stuff, but I mean. But I just want to tell you one other thing. Oh, please, yeah, no, please. So I have a, I have a, I do have a dream for myself. And part of that is doing a vision quest, being in nature. I mean, I'm so in awe of you having done that for so many years. Mm. Being alone in nature for me for four days was probably one of the most life-changing things that has ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Because nature is... Uh, something happens out there. It does. It talked to me. It yeah. really did. And I got some teachings that I don't think I could ever have had from humans yeah. or had in the city. I just couldn't have. And part of what I'm working on is I want to do a storytelling performance of what I learned on that vision. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I want to tell I that story. That. So I'm working on it. I'm yeah. working on those. Because lots of stories came to me there. Yeah. And things happened there as well. I but I faced, it. I mean, I'd say the most powerful thing I faced was death. Yeah. And my relationship with death in, the, in, the, in Utah, in a canyon in Utah, yeah. changed forever. Was it with the Animus? Yes. It was. Animus. Those guys are good. Anybody listening that... Like, it was Animus, Animus. and I've also yeah. done the School of Lost Borders, Okay. two okay. schools, but the Animus Quest it was called, and, awesome. it, and the most amazing thing, we did it, it's nearly five years ago, our group, there were ten of us, we were still in contact every single month. Oh, that's cool. Five years later. Really? That's extraordinary, I've that's never known that, with any group I've ever been part of, that's wow. never happened, just through an email, but we are. 
we're in touch. Oh man, you hit the nature note right at the, right at the end of the hour. <laughs> I want to say so much. Oh, what I, I can't not say this part. So um, yeah, I've spent literally thousands, a couple thousand probably days in the wilderness, and that's that's where all of this comes from for me. I mean, it's it's I think you know it's where I learned to meditate. It's where I learned to connect with humans. It's you know it kind of all came from that. Um, and I just want to celebrate for a second that now we're living, my family is living on a, a piece of land north of LA in the mountains. And that talking or that communication, literally like swinging open the front door and it's like taking one step outside. And so my, one of my biggest, I guess sadnesses for a long time was that I find so much depth and fulfillment and happiness out in nature and then I just would, you know, my living situation, as good as it could be, was it was never that. Um, and through all of the trials and tribulations of starting this company and doing everything, uh, we found ourselves out on this piece of land. And uh, so I have found my happiest place in, in our day-to-day -day life because I because I'm finding that. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 more it's it's more. It's bigger when you're out there on a obviously on a vision quest or whatever, but I think yeah. I have my version of it, like on a day to day. Yeah, look, that and tree keeps me. I'm at a relationship <laughs> with a tree out of a New York window. Oh yeah, that's very different yeah. than it was before those four days in the in nature. Yeah, I relate to that as a being. It'd be two beautiful paintings, just the perspective <laughs> of those two squares. No, I love just being yeah. able to see the trees. They give me, they give me comfort. Yeah. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you for it's the been time. Great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to that. I appreciate you. Go to our website, everyman.com. You can put in your email address. Get on our newsletter. You will be the first to be informed of everything that's going on. Um, I take great care and enjoyment in writing our newsletters. It's a, it's a place to express myself and express what's happening in this awesome organization. Thank you for being here. Share this with a friend. Come see us soon. Take care.